Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Happy birthday, Christine Flowers. So good to have you here as you celebrate <gasps> as you celebrate your 39th and holding. We're all 39 and holding, right? <laughs> Happy birthday, my friend. Oh, well, first of all, honey, it's a great present to myself to be talking to you on my birthday. And I'm just inverting the numbers, so I'm actually just 26. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 26. Exactly, exactly. How are you? I'm good. Bummed out as far as, you know, our eagles. That was a hot uh, mess. You know, I really, I, I mean, I, I don't want to take it personally, but I was all over social media saying, oh, they're going to win for my birthday. I know they're going to win. I know they're going to. It, was, um, it wasn't just that we, we lost or that rather that San Francisco yeah. won. It was really, uh, it, it was a blowout. And we haven't had that this season. We've had close calls. We've always pulled it out. Um, they just folded completely. And, uh, you know, and the week before we, we play Dallas, that's not good. Ouch. Yeah, it was, you're right. It was the, the way, the way we lost. It was ugly, like the way we were. Um, so take a couple things. I want to get through it because there's so much to talk about, but. We were uh, both, I realized, we were kind of tweeting out or Xing out, as it were. We were, God bless you. Thank we were you. Talking, we were, I want to talk about Italy because you just got back from Rome, and I know you're talking about the Pope. But I saw that you were, um, you were outraged by what happened in Philadelphia with this so-called pro-Palestinian group, Christine. They were out there in Philadelphia. It's making national news still this morning. And just your reaction to that with this group. Really threatening. Not, this is not a, a peaceful protest. This is intimidation. It's it's uh, there's a threatening aspect. Screaming and yelling, shouting insults and threats of these pro Palestinians waving flags, banging on the door and windows of a restaurant that's owned by a person who's Jewish and from Israel. Yeah, um, I really had. Um, I looked at it and I said this is crystal knocked without the broken windows. This was exactly what the Nazis did during World War II to intimidate, excuse me, Jewish business owners. They went through, they, they targeted areas that were um, owned and lived in, uh, businesses operated by Jews. And they destroyed those businesses. Now, the difference here, obviously, the business was not destroyed. 
they knew they couldn't do that because that is an actual crime that the police would, and the, hopefully this district attorney would prosecute. But they went very close to that line of threats, intimidation, and very clearly this was a hate crime, Dawn. This targeted an ethnicity. This, and, and they're trying to, uh, sort of disentangle themselves from their very clear bigotry, their anti-Semitism, their barbarity by saying, well, the owner of this business sends money to the IDF, sends money to the, um, Israeli Defense Forces. That's not why they targeted this business. That's not why they're targeting, um, um, most of the Israeli-owned or Jewish-affiliated businesses in Philadelphia, in the Delaware Valley, and nationally. They're doing it because they hate Jews. Yeah. They're doing it because they want us to know that they hate Jews. And then when they're called on it, and fingers are pointed at them, they back off and they say, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, criticism of Israel is not the same as criticism of Jews. In this context, in this environment, in this climate, yes, it is. And I also want to say something, and I know you've seen this as well. I remember during the Me Too movement yeah. when everyone was out there saying, oh, believe women, and you know all of these unknown Hollywood actresses were coming out and saying, oh, I had a bad date. Oh, this guy said something to me that I didn't like. Oh, this guy threatened that I wasn't going to get a job if I didn't sleep with him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And everyone, Meryl Streep and Salma Hayek and everyone standing up and supporting them and saying what brave women you are. Israeli women were raped. Jewish women were raped and tortured by Palestinian terrorists. And when you raise the fact that Hollywood and the left are virtually silent about this, as mm -hmm. Dana Bash did on yeah. CNN yesterday with um, Pamala Jayapal, the response is, oh, well, you know, it happens on both sides, and this is terrible when women are raped, but the Israeli soldiers did that. You know what they didn't do, Dawn? Israeli soldiers did not go into the Palestinian territory, kidnap peaceful, quiet Palestinian young women, pull them out of their homes, and rape them as they kidnap them. No, they yeah. didn't do that. So I apologize for the anger in my voice. It's my birthday. I should be happy. But I am sick <laughs> and tired of these anti-Semitic bigots who are in our streets and pretending they're not. And I'm sick and tired of pretending that this is a human rights issue for Palestinian. When you hear free Palestine, you should hear kill Jews. That is what it amounts to in this environment right now. Yeah. Okay. No, it's you're allowed to be angry, happy, all of the above <laughs> on your birthday, do whatever. No, but I mean, you know, I saw this. I mean, the New York Post picked it up, uh, national publications across you know, Chicago, L.A. I mean, everybody's picking up the story about this group and it's they're not a dozen or two dozen it looks like at least 150 individuals outside of a restaurant i mean first of all if you're inside that rest popular restaurant so you know good for governor josh shapiro to call it out and call yeah. it what it is which is anti-semitism yeah. um i think it's a it's a blessing in a way that it's owned by a local celebrity chef because ultimately everybody knows him. I know that Shapiro, the governor called. So I think that is in a way a blessing because it's not an intimidate, you know, it's not a mom and pop small group, although we've seen them being protested as well. 
So I think the breakthrough, if I can say this, is that if this is a celebrity chef whose name is out there, owns a bunch of these different very popular restaurants. And so to me, I hope that maybe this will be the breakthrough. Although, Christine, I'm not, I'm still not seeing it. It seems like they covered it over the weekend. They covered it yesterday. And now everybody's kind of burying the story, if you will. So that's really bothersome. Well, that's why I'm so glad that you're talking about it because I, you know, talk radio is extremely powerful. Um, during the days when we had mainstream media that pretty much dictated what was going to be on the evening news, what you were going to be focusing on. I mean, they kind of, they, they curated the news that they thought was important, or as the New York Times would say, all the news that's fit to print or all the news that the New York Times felt was fit to print. In those days, the only voice, the only outlet that there was, was talk radio, starting with the great Rush Limbaugh. And because you and because your colleagues are out there and putting a spotlight on these issues, they will not die because people want to get this news. They don't want it to be covered over. And to me, this it's scary, Dawn. It's, this is not something where, I mean, I remember back during the Black Lives Matter movement, there were protests in the streets and there were people who said, okay, this is a human rights movement. And for the most part, even though there was a lot of vandalism, you could see that there were some legitimate concerns about policing, that they, they were raising these issues about policing. This, what's happening now, is pure anti-Semitism. None of the people who are marching and who are screaming and who are intimidating these Jewish business owners or these Jewish students on campus or simply, you know, people at, at synagogues trying to go and worship, none of them have a stake in what is happening in Gaza. These are all people who are just picking up this social justice um rhetoric because it makes them feel important because it makes them think that they're uh, that they're special people there's this woman on social media um i think her name is asia jackson she's another one of those unknown hollywood actresses and she's a, a few thousand followers um she basically went back and forth with Amy Schumer, who was trying to talk about how anti-Semitism was making her feel afraid. And she has a little boy and she's afraid about her, you know, for her child in this climate. And Asia Jackson says, well, I'm black and I'm Filipina. And don't you dare lecture me about feeling unsafe in this society. It was as if she was bringing on to herself. She was saying, I'm the only one. My minority is the only minority that has um, a voice and that can feel threatened and victimized. So I tweeted back at her, I said, this is pure racism that you're spouting, never expecting that me, unknown Christine Flowers in Philadelphia, is going to get a response. And she set her little minions on me, basically saying, I'm anti-black, I'm anti-Filipino, yeah, right, I'm anti-this, I'm anti-that, because I'm criticizing her. This is this is the point that we've gotten to, Dawn. It's the race to the most persecuted. I'm I'm you you can't be persecuted in this society. You're you're Jewish. You're successful. You can't be persecuted. I'm persecuted. I'm black. I'm Filipino. I'm yeah. I'm the minority. Yeah. It's just the divisions are you step back and you look at it and you say, What is happening? How did this happen? And you know one other thing. I'm not a huge Donald Trump supporter, but I recognize that there is some genius in the man, and he has been cruelly persecuted. And I remember after Charlotte 
Charlottesville, he made a statement. He said there are good people on both sides. In context, he was talking about there are good people who were protesting, and then there were some really bad, you know, Nazi-type people protesting. And people took that and ran with it and basically said, oh, my God, he's saying that these horrible right-wing Nazis are good people. No, that's not what he was saying. Um, it, It almost seems as if you're able to say right now that there are good terrorists, <laughs> you know, that there's that the, that, that, uh, well, yeah, Israel, uh, or Hamas is bad, but Israel is just as bad. The, the lack of nuance here mm-hmm. is as bad as it was when they were criticizing Donald Trump. So I don't know where we're headed, honey, but, um, I, you know, I'm 62. I'm, hopefully I've got another 20 or so years left, and I really hope people get their act together before I, you know, knock on the pearly gates. <laughs> Well, I mean, let me ask you something as far because you've said you so who do you like in the race right now? I mean, I I I think that you're somebody who would vote for the R. Definitely. Right. Regardless, regardless at this point, if Donald Trump is the candidate, I'll vote for Donald Trump. He's not my first choice, but I'm not voting for a Democrat. Not 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 for what I've seen they've done to this country. So I mean, I would. I I'm a Trump supporter. I am. I think that I can put aside some of the other stuff and given all the nonsense of the world. But mm-hmm. who is your who is your favorite then? He's not your favorite. Who's your favorite among those running right now? Yes. Um, I liked. I liked in the past tense. Um, Nikki Haley, because I, I, I do tend to be a neocon myself. I do tend to be more aggressive on, um, national security issues. I'm a big supporter of, of NATO. Um, some of, some of her comments on social issues have seen a bit squishy, and so she's backtracked somewhat. That, that has given me pause. Um, on the other hand, I like Ron DeSantis precisely because of his full-throated support for traditional social issues, for families, for parents' rights. But I don't see him running a really strong campaign. And I wish, if I had my druthers, he would be my first choice. He was my first choice when I heard that he had announced because he had done such a great job in Florida, particularly during the pandemic. But his campaign seems to be sputtering. I don't think he's running the best campaign. I am definitely, if you saw Inside Story yesterday, I am definitely not a Chris Christie fan. I used to be a Chris Christie fan. (laughs) Used to be many, many years ago. But now I said he's not the heat-seeking missile against Trump that he thinks he is. He's he's, He's just a narcissist at this point. So no, no Chris Christie for me. So it kind of, it vacillates between in, in terms of those who are in the primary right now, I guess it would be DeSantis and um, and Haley. Um, but again, if if Trump becomes the nominee, as appears is is likely at this yeah. point, I will vote for him. I will vote for him because I believe that a lot of these prosecutions also happen to be political prosecutions, and I'm I'm really not happy with the criminal justice system trying to pick my political candidate for me or essentially eliminate one of the political candidates that's running. But I'm not going to vote for a Democrat, whether it be RFK, um, definitely not 
Joe Biden, um, whoever else pokes their head in there, Gavin Newsom, Kamala. Well, Kamala wouldn't do it, but I no, I, I can't. I could not vote for a Democrat at this point after having been a Democrat from 1979 to 2016 and having seen what they've done to Philadelphia, having seen what they've done to Delaware County, my home county. Um, never again. I will never again vote for a Democrat. And so do you think as far as so think about those that are registered as R or those who are registered as D, they're just going to go the most likely, no matter who that is, they're going to vote for. So in your mind, Christine Flowers, if you picture Trump and something that he could say. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. That would put him at the top of your list or do. What would that be? What would that one thing or two things, what would that be that you would say, you know what, he is he is the one. I'm not going to think about Ron or Nikki, low energy. That No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what he, he could say that would really sort of reinforce support that I have for him. Um, to stop talking about himself in victim terms, um, as we just got through the whole thing about, you know, racial minorities calling themselves victims. I hate victims. I hate people who set themselves up as victims. I think he needs to be um, more of a a fighter. I think he needs to, to stop pointing fingers and saying, look what they're doing to me, look what they're doing to me, and say, almost in the same way that... Um, uh, JFK said, ask not what your country is doing to you. Ask what you can do for your country and come out maybe and channel a little bit of John McCain. I know that a lot of conservatives had turned off on John McCain, but the whole idea of country first. Um, I was watching the TV, the TV movie Game Change about Sarah Palin the other night, and that was their slogan, country first. And I think if uh, instead of saying make America great again, which kind of presumes that it is not great. I think America is great, always has been great. It has some not great people in it, but the country itself is the best country on the face of this earth. And I think if he simply just said, listen, I love this country. I love Americans, whether you vote for me or not. My goal is to be the president for everyone. My goal is to continue the work that I did in trying to bolster the economy, national security, um, immigration issues. I just, I, I would like him to stop 
doing the belly button gazing and focus less on his own problems and say, I'm going to rise above that. I see what they're doing and I'm stronger than they are and I'm going to win this race and I'm going to win it for you because I have unfinished work. Yeah, I think part of the, here's part of the problem. He has all these different courts against him. And so the the media, and it's, I'll say it's our fault too, even on talk radio, because he does do these rallies where it goes on for, you know, an hour or he speaks to reporters in a Q&A outside a courtroom. And what do we do? We grab the soundbite in which he's defending himself because True. he's in another courtroom. And True. so that does pose a problem for a candidacy because you're always playing, you know, defense and you're not able to, to get your message across. You're always <laughs> answering the reporter's questions saying, well, here we are outside of Georgia court. What do you say to, you know, fill in the blank or Manhattan or, you know, wherever, Jack Smith? Yeah, so it's hard as a candidate, and that's part of the lawyer's defense, to say, let the people decide. Let the American people decide this. So that is part of the problem, that we all take this out. We, you know, if he's live outside the court, I mean, Anthony Dorenzo and I, I think we took it every day when he was in that Manhattan courtroom. We would take it, you know, and he's only got a, a finite amount of time before he's got a head into the courtroom. So, yeah, how do you, as a candidate then, not talk about these cases which are against you? Well, and that's a, that's a really good point. And I do agree that the, the media are sort of um, not taunting, but they're, they're, they're basically, they're forcing him to address these issues because that seems to be front and center with them. Um, and I, I simply think he should say, listen, this is going to play itself out in the courts. I'm going to defend myself, my attorneys. Um, you know, I trust my attorneys. I trust my innocence on these issues and, and let's move on because he, he should govern the narrative. He should not allow the media to pigeonhole him mm-hmm. into always discussing these um, legal problems. I've written columns about this. I completely agree that these are political prosecutions and the glee with which so many in the media are talking about this barely hidden glee about, you know, oh, there's a gag order here and, you know, completely ignoring the unethical activities of some of the judges who are presiding over these cases, uh, which, which as an attorney really upsets me. Some of, some of the judges in these tribunals that are presiding over these different cases should not be in the positions that they're in. There is yeah. there's such conflicts of interest there. But that doesn't seem to interest the media. Yes. I simply I simply think that um, Trump should allow his spokespersons to address these issues if he wants to, but he himself should be above that and simply you know, stop acting like a criminal defendant in a uh, in, in in a very unfair prosecution, and say I'm a candidate for president of the United States. I'm a former president, and I'm running again, like uh, Teddy Roosevelt was. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think there's only one other. I, I can't remember any other former president running for re-election after he had been out of office for a term. I think I think Teddy Roosevelt was one, but. In any event, I listen, uh, he's in a predicament, 
and the media have helped mm-hmm. exacerbate that. And I simply think that he should just come back and say, you know what, give the give the Italian bird to them and say, I'm going to talk about my agenda and what I'm going to do when I'm reelected. And he's 50-some points ahead of the yeah. next closest uh, contender, which I, I guess is Nikki Haley. And he can afford to do that. Yeah. He still has a very, very solid base. Now, What's going to happen to him in a general? I don't know, but I just I I don't like people always focusing on their own personal problems, yeah. and you know that's that's why I wasn't particularly thrilled with the little fight between Nikki Haley and um, Vivek Ramaswamy about social media issues. It just becomes so petty and so mean, yes. girl. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's like, we don't want to hear about your own problems, okay? Just put those aside. What are you going to do for us? Yes. Well, one thing we wanted to hear about, because I saw that you had tweeted out, you said something about back from Rome, and I was like, oh, that's right. Christine Flowers, in Italy, you're in Rome. Tell us about the trip, and you're obviously your latest piece as you're writing about uh, the Pope. Can you give us the update? Well, first of all, Anybody thinking about going to Italy should go in late November because even though the weather is not optimal, I happen to love cold weather, but, you know, a lot of people don't. Um, It's probably, it was in the 50s, upper 50s, early, lower 60s most of the time that I was there. So it wasn't really cold at all. There weren't a lot of tourists because there was this lull between um, the fall and the Christmas holidays, so they haven't started up yet, and it was just, oh, Dawn, it was, I mean, Rome is Rome, and Florence is Florence. I was in Florence for a couple of days as well, and the people, and the food, and the, I mean, I just, every day, plus I was saying, I went away, and I came back, I lost weight, which is really hard for me to believe because I was eating pizza and pasta every single day, but I was also walking seven, eight miles every day too. You know, you walk everywhere. Rome and Florence are very walkable cities. Um, I was, where I stayed was very close to the Vatican and I actually, I wasn't meaning to ask people about the Pope, that I wasn't there doing reconnaissance work for a column <laughs> or anything, but it just so happened that I happened to be there on a Wednesday when the Pope normally has his, you know, his um, his public um, uh, meeting with uh, with people at, at St. Peter's, mm-hmm. and uh, Pope Francis, God bless him. I, I hope I hope his his health improves. He's not feeling yeah. well. He's not doing well. He has severe bronchitis. He's going to be 87 at the end of this month. He's a Sagittarius, and um, like me. And, you know, so I, I, I wish him truly well. I kind of hope he retires because I ended up talking to some people near Vatican City and these were Italians and I've been pretty vocal about my disagreement with the Pope on a lot of his, his initiatives and social issues. And I thought it was an American thing that, you know, the, the Americans were independent and we're, you know, we're going to talk we're going to talk out, we're going to talk smack about this Pope. No, there are a lot of Italians who disagree with this Pope as well. Um, they think he's far too political. They think that he is far too controversial in ways that sort of cater to what they think um, a very partisan liberal media loves, you know, his his pronouncements on sexual issues and his attacks on um, <laughs> on Donald Trump when he didn't say a thing about Joe Biden's mm-hmm. um, immigration policies or before that Barack Obama's immigration policies. So 
there's a lot of disquiet um, among the faithful, his neighbors, you know, vicini di casa in Italy. And I, I found that interesting. So it's not just an American phenomenon. A lot of liberal Catholics in the United States try and make it seem as if it's just these conservative right-wing American Catholics who are also Trump supporters. They kind of like connect the two, that we're the only ones that have a problem with the Pope. And that's not true. There's global criticism of, of the Pope, just as there's global love for this particular pope and i just said listen uh you know he is he at heart he's a good man but he's acting like a mean girl he he you know he he stripped is hasn't quite laicized but he stripped bishop strickland of because he's a very outspoken um critic of the pope he's very socially conservative um he stripped um uh, cardinal burke of his privileges at the Vatican, another outspoken social conservative. He did not support Cardinal um, Cordiglione, Salvatore Cordiglione, nice Irish boy in San Francisco, when he was criticizing Nancy Pelosi's position on abortion. He's He's been very, very selective in his attacks on the clergy. And he never elevated Archbishop Charles Chaput to the College of Cardinals. Chaput was nationally known, was a great scholar, a personal friend, wonderful man, and he should have been elevated to the the, uh, the College of Cardinals, and he was not. So this Pope is is a little bit of a Lindsay Lohan kind of, you know, mean girls kind of thing. <laughs> well, you know, he's also, though, he's also talking, I saw him, he was speaking at the United Nations climate event, and he's saying that climate change is a religion problem, and we have to get rid of those evil fossil fuels. Oh so I don't know, will, will you have to go to confession if you drive a fossil fuel vehicle? <laughs> That's why my father's for you, Missy. Say 10 Hail Marys and buy a Tesla. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, you know, I don't crazy. know. It's, it is crazy, and it just feels out of touch. Doesn't it? I mean, people are suffering. We have hunger problems in the world. People are starving to death. We have this world economy that is not is tough. And we're complaining in America, but we have no idea in other third, third world countries where hunger is the number one issue. And he's talking about climate change. Wow. I know. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking <laughs> this, 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 this fell with such, you know, a leaden thud, just like when he offered condolences for the death of Fidel Castro. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Seriously? You're going to offer prayers for the soul of Fidel Castro? And yet he's calling Donald Trump unchristian because of the wall. Like, oh, please, please. Um, yeah, he's, I don't know. I, I, I want him to retire and take care of his health. And the, uh, the only problem is he's elevated so many cardinals during his papacy. And these are the guys who are going to vote for the successor. So it worries me that he's kind of, he stacked the deck. He's like, he's got these, he's got these, these pro Francis cardinals out there. And, and let's hope there are a lot of third world cardinals who are very conservative, a lot of African cardinals, a lot of people from the third world who don't believe in this liberation theology that the South American um, bishops seem to you know, hold tight mm-hmm. to. So hopefully the third world will save us. The African bishops will save yes. us, or the African cardinals will save us from Let another us Francis. 
Well, Christine Flowers, we can hope. Happy birthday. I hope you have a wonderful happy birthday today. We're glad you're back home. Christine Flowers. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 